From the capital of Canada, you're listening to The Album Drop on CHUO 89.1 FM. That's a record. Their new album. Drop, drop, drop. New and excitingly different. And they keep dropping, dropping. Drop it like it's hot. Drop on back. Drop dead. And then come those words we have all waited so long to hear. Your weekly look at the new release shelf begins right now. Here's Phil Shirakawa. And another episode of the album drop is on the air. Hi there. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Oh, man. Don't. If you got any plans today, cancel them because we have quite the show for you today here on CHUO. Coming up this hour, I had a chance to talk to a fantastic local band. They're called The Balconies. Perhaps you've heard of them. Um, they played this past weekend at the House of Targ, and I had a chance to have a chat with the band, and I'm going to play some of that, plus, uh, as always, this week in music history, very busy week, lots going on there. we got some some fresh music news that we're going to cover in the Music Meltdown, and lots of great tunes, including the new record from Sleigh Bells, plus Touche Amour, great band out of Los Angeles, California. Um, they just released their fourth album, it's called Stage 4, and it's got kind of a double meaning um, as it's their fourth record, and it's also a reference to the most deadly type of cancer, which took the life of singer Jeremy Bohm's mom uh, in uh, 2014. So, as you can imagine, there's uh, a lot of uh, thematic references to that on this record. It's a wonderful collection of tunes, melodic hardcore at its finest. We're going to start with a tune called Flowers and You. This is Touche Amour, and it's here on the album drop on CHUO 89.1 FM. Yeah. 
You're listening to the album drop. Listening to the album drop. Listen to previous episodes at thealbumdrop.ca.
from the record stage four, Touche Amour and Displacement. We also heard the first single out the record, Palm Dreams. Flowers and You was the first one that we played, and all three available on that album, which is out now through Epitaph Records. Wonderful melodic hardcore from the group out of Los Angeles, California. Really cool stuff. Hope you were digging it. You're listening to the album drop here on CHUO 89.1 FM. Thanks a lot for doing so. I'm Phil Shurikawa. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also send letters to the addresses on the CHUO website, chuo.fm. I read them all. Just saying. I want to talk now about Volume 1. It's the new EP from Hamilton, Ontario, five-piece hardcore band Dead Tired. And the group will sound instantly familiar to fans of hard Canadian music as their frontman is George Pettit, whose voice you will recognize as the one who was in Dallas Green from Alexis on Fire. Killer band, great sound, just driving rock and roll at its finest. This tune's called The Prowler. It's new stuff from Dead Tired here in the album Drop CHU 89.1 FM. Yeah. 
From their EP, Volume 1, Dead Tired and the Prowler, here on the album drop on CHUO 89.1 FM. I'm Phil Shurikawa. Thanks a lot for listening to our show. And now, it's time for... The new number one song in the land is... I'm not saying that we're better or greater or comparing us with Jesus Christ as a person. We weren't on any crusade. This was selfish. There should be no such thing as a price tag on music. This week in music history. November 21st, 1960 was the day 17-year-old George Harrison was deported from Germany, causing the rest of the Beatles to have to go with him. The deportation came from Harrison lying on his work visa in order for the band to get their gig playing eight days a week in Hamburg. It's believed that the club owner tipped off authorities after finding out the band was secretly moonlighting on days off. Because, you know, playing eight eight gigs a week wasn't enough for them, apparently. November 21st, 1980 saw Eagles frontman Don Henley arrested and charged with contributing to the delinquency of a minor after paramedics were dispatched to his residence to save a 16-year-old girl who had overdosed on cocaine and quaaludes. And people wonder why I don't like that band. Just saying. November 21st, 1991 was the night that the band Aerosmith found their way onto the stage at Moe's Tavern in Springfield, USA and... All the rest was history. Ladies and gentlemen, some new buddies of mine stopped by tonight. Maybe we can get them to come up here. How about a warm, flaming Moe's welcome for... Aerosmith! We're just hanging out. Come on, guys. Free pickled eggs. All right. Hello, St. Louis! Uh, That's Springfield, Stephen. Yeah, right. November 22nd, 1963 was the day U.S. President John F. Kennedy was assassinated during a parade in Dallas, Texas. It was kind of a big deal. Not really a music thing, but there obviously was something that came from it. Beach Boys, Brian Wilson and Mike Love wrote this song about that day. November 23, 1994 was a day a DNA test cleared Michael Jackson from a paternity suit that he was facing at the time. Yeah. Uh, too easy. Just one day after announcing to the world that he had AIDS, calling on people to come together to find a cure, the rock and roll world wept. November 24, 1991 when Freddie Mercury passed away. Six years later to the day in what would have been Likely one of the low points of his career, Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols found himself as the defendant on Judge Judy. Rotten was facing a wrongful termination lawsuit from former drummer Robert Williams, which he won. So, I guess it wasn't that bad of a day for old Johnny Rotten. November 25th, 1968 was the day the Beatles' self-titled album was released. Often referred to as the White Album due to its plain white cover, the record was inspired by the group's spiritual retreat to India, and sessions for the album lasted for months, got way out of hand, and are a contributing factor for the demise of the band. But the sound of that album, oh man, let's... If you've never heard the White Album, go buy it. Because here's a little preview... Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You 
were only waiting for this moment to arise. November 27, 1942, saw the birth of a man often referred to as the greatest rock and roll guitarist of all time. I'm going to let Jimmy take us to the break. It's the album drop. Stick around. You're only moments away from more great music. The album drop will return on CHUO 89.1 FM. Album drop continues right now here on CHUO 89.1 FM. Here's your host, Bill Shurikawa. Welcome back to the show. I want to talk now about Jessica Rabbit, the fourth album from the band Sleigh Bells. This band continues to push forward with their incredible mix of stylistic stylings. I mean, the, the guitar riffs on their records are just so big and so shredding. Just They rock so hard. And they fuse together electronic samples and drum machine clips and stuff in such an unconventional way and so much different than the way everybody else is doing it. It's just It sounds so good. The new record is called Jessica Rabbit. It's just so good. I want to start with a tune called It's Just Us Now. This is Sleigh Bells. It's here on the album drop on CHUO 89.1 FM.
more from this album right now. Only on the album drop. This is Simon Ridley from DZ Death Rays. You're listening to the album drop.
From the record, Jessica Rabbit, Sleigh Bells, and I Can't Stand You Anymore. We also heard Hyper Dark and It's Just Us Now, all three on Jessica Rabbit, the fourth album from the cool band out of Brooklyn, New York. I'm Phil Shurikawa. Thanks a lot for listening to our show. This weekend, Saturday night in particular, as it was, I happened to find myself at House of Targ, where I met up with local band, now based, formerly local band, now based out of Toronto, The Balconies. We had a chance to talk about a bunch of stuff. I'd like to play some of that for you right now. How long has it been since you guys kind of left Ottawa or left permanent bases? Uh, it's been how long? Six, seven uh, years? 2009. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Long time. <laughs> so yeah, so this was just some other part of old Ottawa South back then. Yeah. And then when we were driving down Bank, I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen like the whole revamp of Lansdowne either. So that was really cool. Ottawa's changed a lot. It's not like it used to be when I lived here, that's for sure. But it's really exciting because every time we come back, there's something new to check out. And they've, uh, they've really done a lot to uh, revitalize this part of, of town, and it's really kind of working. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, on that same theme, do you think um, you would have been able to have the kind of forward momentum in your career that you've had had it not been moving to Toronto? We owe a lot to Ottawa and I feel like you know our, our, our biggest following is still here our roots are here and and um, you know we definitely wouldn't have had I feel like the same kind of what's the word I'm looking Mo- beginning momentum um, initial momentum when we when we first got started um, had it not been for the Ottawa music scene because it, it's so tight um, but we were spending so much time um, in Toronto just because there was there were a lot of other things happening there as well. We figured the only way that we'll be able to expand and grow as a band is by, you know, maybe relocating. Um, but I still, I still miss Ottawa, and I still consider myself an Ottawa girl. And um, it's great because then when we come back and do hometown shows, we sell, we have this is our first sold out show. So we're like, oh, okay, people still feel like this is our hometown too. So that's nice. Yeah, it's fun having two hometowns. Yeah, I mean, we still come back here a lot, so it's kind of like. It's not that far to drive, you know, this corridor, being able to, you know, do these tours, play at Kingston, Montreal, Ottawa, and then from, it's nice being based in Toronto because then if you go down to play, you know, London or Guelph or Hamilton or any of those cities, you're starting a lot closer, whereas when we were still in Ottawa, driving down to southern Ontario was just a nightmare because you have to leave so early and then you hit traffic in Toronto and it's terrible, so... Um, and obviously, like, I grew up in Toronto, and my uh, family and, you know, childhood friends are all still there, and so it's nice to be there. We like it. I don't know. We like both cities. I grew up in Gloucester, so East East Ottawa, um, but then when I went to Ottawa U, I was living, like, just off of Elgin. I was, I was pretty central, uh, and then before that, I... I spent my high school years in Metcalf. It was a tiny little town southeast of Ottawa. Uh, yeah, so kind of all over. I wanted to ask about your new record, Rhonda, because from what I've read of what you put out and from what I gathered from reading about it, it's like a conceptual record. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about how that character kind of came to be and more specifically why you chose to focus the record from that perspective. Um, it kind of happened after a bunch of the songs were already written. We were sort of, you know, just started writing. We had to take a break from touring, and um, our subject matter, I guess, was just sort of based on our experiences on the road. But, you know, obviously when you're writing based on your experiences, it's more fun to take some liberties and make it into an alternate sort of world. 
Um, and then when the song Rhonda got written, we named it Rhonda. We thought, well, maybe that works as a, a theme for all these songs. We can say this is Rhonda and it's this other world and this other fictional character. Um, just to allow ourselves to not be stuck, you know, having to talk about what happened to us exactly. Like, it's a lot more fun to be able to play around with this other world. Yeah, and it was neat because yesterday Liam was kind of comparing it to Gotham City, how, you know, they, they created this this fictional city, but we kind of did the same thing with Rhonda. We created this, this dystopian kind of world that Rhonda exists in, and it allows us to have that creative freedom to just play around and, and still, yes, have some mildly autobiographical injections here and there, um, but we try to keep things as subjective as possible. We really want our listeners to find their own meaning within the songs and... I get so excited when they come up to me like, wow, I listened to the whole album and this is what it means to me. And I'm like, cool, that's not at all what our intentions were, but I, I love that that's what it means to you and that's the feeling you got from it. So. And I mean, a lot of the stylistic inspiration how, for how it sounds, um, you know, growing up I was really into those 80s dystopian mu movies like Blade Runner or, uh, you know, Batman's a good one, like the first Michael Keaton Batman um, mm -hmm. And the synthesizers kind of lend themselves well to that, that era. theme, you know? Mm -hmm. So it just kind of works. Um, it's like we imagined ourselves going back to the 80s and trying to write a futuristic record from then. You know, it's kind of uh, how we looked at it. Yeah. Hey, this is Jackie from The Balconies, and you are listening to CHUO 89.1.
From the record, Rhonda, it's The Balconies with Zombie Love. It's here on the album Drop CHU 89.1 FM. Here's a little bit more of my conversation with the band. The record obviously is available in digital formats, both streaming and uh, iTunes. And I know you've got CDs out. Do you find that you move a lot of physical copies, or is most of uh, the traction kind of on digital these days? The uh, initial release, it was uh, October 14th, we did a digital release for that. Because um, we do find a lot of the younger audiences are buying digitally, and, and we, we love that, we support it. Yeah, go go check us out on iTunes. Um, people are listening to Spotify a lot now, which is fantastic. But I find, uh, you know, off stage at our shows, that's when people, they still want that, that collector's item. They, they want that, that piece, that they can just take home with them that they can have in their bedroom or whatever and or keep sometimes people want us to write on the cd you yeah. know that that's something that's i guess can be fun about buying a cd at a show yeah. um and we have vinyl coming in the next six weeks about yeah. or four weeks um unfortunately you know vinyl takes forever to make it so that'll be around for the next tour of the new vinyl release tour and we'll come back so yeah. that'll be great now as music listeners do you prefer physical mediums, or are you guys cool with just like, you know, popping on a Spotify playlist and yeah. just kind of leaning back? I, I don't do playlists. I have to listen to albums, and if albums don't really grab me, you know, then I don't really pay attention most of the time. But um, then on the other side, you know, sometimes, um, you know, you're watching YouTube and a suggested video just pops up, and it could be something really great. But um, I usually listen to records streaming online first, and then if I really love something, I'll buy a vinyl, and you know, because that's that allows you to hear more depth in the rec- recordings, and you can really enjoy a record more when you're putting it on turntable and listening to real vibrations vibrating a stylus and electric electric impulses activating your speakers. You know, it's really um, it's nothing like that. You know. Basically, what he's trying to say is we're, we're nerds, <laughs> and yeah. we get really excited about you know actively listening to music and lying on your couch and just having that whole experience just suck you in. And even when not we're on the road, I'll you know I'll have like my iTunes and but I I purchased the album you know and and I only purchase albums on iTunes when I know that I'm going to listen to I'm going to want to listen to over and over again when we're on the road because you can't really bring a record player with you unfortunately, but. Um, yeah, I'm definitely like a full album kind of person. I don't think that's terribly nerdy. I think it's I think it's more indicative of the kind of uh, the kind of person that you know would, for instance, decide, hey, I'm going to be a musician. I ask that question to everybody, and that's pretty much the answer I get. So I, I I don't know exactly who is paying for Spotify and who's like not buying physical music, but apparently those people are out there. So I, I don't really know. I, I think it's I think it's the younger generations, um, young younger than us, <laughs> much younger than us. You know, um, a lot of my younger cousins, they're you know they're teenagers and and they they want the Spotify playlist. But oftentimes that's how they discover bands is through those playlists. Like, oh, I want the the falling asleep playlist. So. Here we go, and then they discover a band that way, and I, I think that's okay too. That's not personally how I go about discovering music, but if that works for you and it's going to bring you out to a show, then sure, it's great. I'm sure that you've answered this next question like a million times, so I apologize in advance for that. But this is the one that really like I, I have to know how this works because, um, from what I understand, the two of you were romantically together, and then now you're not yet, obviously the band keeps going. Um, I think for most people, the idea of going to work every day with an ex, like... Terrifies them? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> how, how, do, how does the balconies make that work? Um, 
one way I like to look at it is, I mean, from now, when I go back and listen to our album, Fast Motions, it's like, there's some grit in there, and it's, uh, you know, we, that, that album was made while the, tension. you know, tension was <laughs> happening in our band, and, you know, there were difficult times for sure, and I, I actually have a hard time listening to that record because, you know, there's a lot of feelings in there, it's really heavy, you know, there's a lot of real, like, I'm screaming on guitar, Jackie's ball, like, you know, screaming, screaming, <laughs> <laughs> screaming with her voice. Um, and, and then, so, I mean, there was definitely um, some challenging times, but overall, like, we got past that and we realized, we looked at what we were doing and said, you know, we're just such good friends and we work together so well and we care about each other so much that we just, this band is too important to not get through this um and um i don't know i think we're both very understanding people and when things don't work out in one way it's like you know works out in other ways if you're lucky well, it's also like often i like to compare it to to parents who, who separate or get divorced doesn't mean that they don't love their kids as much or you know that their kids aren't going to flourish and you know feel loved and prosper so that's how i like to see it the band is there it's our it's our child and we want to see it grow and we want to see it take off and, and succeed so that that's our main goal and yeah that's it hey this is liam from the balconies check out our new album Rhonda, and keep listening to chuo 89.1 
From the record, Rhonda, it's The Balconies with Guilty Pleasures. Really cool stuff from The Balconies, as always. Just about out of time, but we have to get to some things that made the news this week, and we do so by doing this. The music world is always changing, and sometimes things slip through the cracks. The leader of one of rock's most gifted and promising bands, Nirvana, is dead, and this is the story as we know it so far. And the Grammy goes to... The Suburbs! Breaking news about the arrest of a popular Grammy-winning musician at his concert last night. The passing of George Harrison. The former Beatles... Prosecutors in Philadelphia have dropped their long-running fight to execute Mumia Abu-Jamal. From the pages of thealbumdrop.ca, this is The Music Meltdown. This is The Music Meltdown for Tuesday, November 22nd, 2016, and let's start with the good. Paris nightclub Labatta Clan opened last week, exactly 365 days after the horrific terrorist attacks in that city, which concluded with 89 people being killed while the band Eagles of Death Metal performed. Sting was the first act to play, security was heavy, and apparently everything went well. But I guess that depends on who you ask. This is where it gets bad. In the time that has passed, Eagles of Death Metal frontman Jesse Hughes has been quite outspoken about the way the attacks went down, going so far as to accuse the owners of the club of being in on the attack. As you can imagine, this type of talk is not without its recourse, including the popular American band being removed from music festivals in France over the past year. I mean, I wouldn't book them. Jules Frutos, who is a co-director of Labatta Clan, says those comments were enough for him to refuse entry to Jesse Hughes at the club's comeback concert last week, saying, there are things you can't forget. He also added that Hughes makes these incredibly false declarations every two months and that it is madness. Now here's where it gets ugly. Mark Pollock of the MGMT Music Management Company, who represents Eagles of Death Metal, says that Hughes never even tried to enter the club. He claims that Hughes was simply in town to show support to friends, family, and people associated with the club on the anniversary of that tragic day. So take from that what you will. But the part that I find really weird is that Hughes, who is a terribly outspoken individual, has yet to comment on the story. Hmm. Take, like I said, take from that what you will. Now, speaking of things that are ugly, the events of the recent U.S. election have really gotten things riled up in North America. People are talking about politics again, which is always a good thing. The bad part, however, seems to be that people have also taken the racist, homophobic, and xenophobic words of President-elect Donald Trump and Vice President-elect Mike Pence as an excuse to say goodbye to political correctness and usher in a new wave of white power. Yeah, that's what I'm calling it. People of color, members of the LGBT community, and those that are openly non-Christian have been subjected to vicious displays of hate all over this continent. Here in Ottawa, a number of places of worship have been vandalized with spray-painted swastikas and terms designed to promote hate of the group of people that are known to assemble there. So if that's not white power, I don't know what it is. Out of the hundreds that have made news, the one that really got to me was the desecration of Adam Yelk Park in Brooklyn, New York. Named in honor of the late outspoken member of the Beastie Boys, the small play area near where Yelk grew up is a testament to the rapper's often replicated message of peace and tolerance. So, because that is what it was and because the park's named after a Jewish guy, somebody thought it was okay to spray paint swastikas on the play structure. 
Yeah. A gigantic crowd gathered Sunday afternoon, including elected officials, religious leaders, actor Ben Stiller, and Yelk's bandmate Adam Horowitz and Kathleen Hanna to denounce hate and encourage people to keep fighting. Because really, that's about all you can do. Unfortunately, I have to go now to somebody who couldn't fight anymore. As we all know, 2016 has been a rough year for musicians passing away. Between David Bowie, Prince, and Leonard Cohen, people have had enough. And all three of them were incredibly influential songwriters whose music I enjoyed personally, but I can honestly say I never really connected in a deep, spiritual way the way that I did with the music of Sharon Jones. The soul singer passed away on Friday at the age of 60 after a long battle with pancreatic cancer. While certainly not nearly as famous as those I mentioned a moment ago, Jones was still in the infancy of her career, especially in comparison. Multiple failed attempts at show business led her to a life of normalcy, but it was around the year 2000 when she helped form the Dap Kings that things really got rolling for her. Her bandmate, Gabriel Roth, tells the LA Times that Jones suffered a stroke November 8th while watching election results roll in. Apparently she was blaming Donald Trump for it happening, and I do too. Roth said she suffered another stroke the next day, and though unable to speak, with her band by her side, Jones spent her final days humming along to their tunes. Now, if you like funky music, stop what you're doing and go buy all of their records. Seriously. I'd start with 100 Days, 100 Nights. This one's on it. It's called Tell Me. I'm Phil Shurikawa. This has been the album drop. Thanks for listening. See you next week.
Thanks for listening. Bye. Have a beautiful time. Smell you later. I'll be back. For more information, check out thealbumdrop.ca. This whole thing has gone on long enough. When will this insanity end? Can I finish? Please, can I finish? We'll be back next week on CHUO 89.1 FM. Okay, I'm finished.